Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Mitch and Kathy Gibson, and we are back with the Enlightened Perspective. It is a beautiful, rainy Thursday afternoon, and we're excited about getting ready to do our next seminar in New York City. New York City? New York at the LaGuardia Airport Hotel. Sheraton. The Sheraton, Sheraton Hotel in LaGuardia. We're looking forward to doing the Nephilim Codex. Now, people have been wondering, what the heck is a Nephilim Codex? They know a little bit about what the Nephilim is, but... The Nephilim Codex is a discussion about the true nature of our reality and how our reality has been interfered with or manipulated by beings that are not human, that our race has DNA and information inside of our DNA that is not human DNA, that there's evidence that there has been beings who've been manipulating our race for thousands of years, and we're going to talk about some hidden secrets and information about the Nephilim and how that Nephilim information, the software of their information, has gotten into our basic daily lives. Are you talking about aliens, Dr. Gibson? Yes, I am, Kathy Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> you know good well I'm talking about aliens. <laughs> I wish my daughter was here to, to interact with us about it. She doesn't believe in aliens. She thinks that aliens is just silly. Hmm. Hmm. Well, well, let's just say exposure. Yeah, living a little bit. Yeah, just, you know, uh, a, a good friend of mine, an older gentleman, used to always say, just keep on living and things will come clear. Just keep on living. We deal with aliens every night. Of the week. Every time we go to sleep, we're dealing with aliens. We've been doing that for as long as we've been together, and I've been doing it since before we got together. Yes. So it's not something that is a, a theoretical discussion for us. True this. It, I'm wondering if they, if I ever dealt with aliens before I met you. Do you remember dealing with them before you met I you? do not. You do not? I do not remember dealing with them before I met you. Did you remember your dreams much before we met? Yes, some of them. Some of them. Some of them. Huh. You think maybe I started all I this? I think you years? started. <laughs> <laughs> so I have you to thank. I am sorry, darling. For those nights where I know I'm being taken. It is not my fault. Yeah. I am sorry. I am sorry. Sound like robot. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, I am sorry. <laughs> We're having fun. But it is good to be back, and we have a really good show for you today. We're going to be talking about what started it all for us. We started a seminar series, God, the year 2001, 2001, called The Living Soul. And when we did The Living Soul, it was, how many weeks was that? Eight the Living weeks. Soul was eight weeks. We presented each part of The Living Soul, God, each part was two weeks each. The, two days each. Um, two days, which was two weekends. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a long involved, and I think it, it was the initial way that I was downloading information from the spiritual world. They wanted to connect with me, and they wanted to make sure that I was committed. So for eight solid days, I talked about information regarding the soul. And it was the first time anybody that I know had done that, talked about the soul for eight days. It was an incredible uh, amount of information that you gave out during those eight days because the
the soul is made up of, of several different parts, and we talked about the emotional aspect of the soul, the physical aspect, the mental aspect, and the spiritual aspect, and each one of those aspects had two days worth of information, so the people who attended, the initial people who attended those workshops got just incredible amounts of information, and I'm talking about you standing there talking from 10 to 5 at that time uh, that we had the workshops, when actually I think it was 9 to 5, and I wish we had recorded Yeah. That was some priceless information because I've never done that again. Yeah. Not once. Well, we found that that was actually uh, was too taxing on you to present that kind of information for that long. True that. By True the that. second day, your voice was gone by around 1 o'clock that afternoon, which True. is the reason why we started doing our workshops in the one-day format, which worked out better. Well, for several years, we did them for two days. We did. We did them for two days for five or six years. Yes, so we, we learned that uh, one day is better. <laughs> and we also learned that people, it was almost too much information. Yeah. They were yeah. doe-eyed by the second day. Yeah. It really was their head hurt by the yeah. second day. It was too much information to process. So I, I think our format that we have now, the one day, is plenty of information because even with that, people still don't use a lot of the information that we give out now. We want to thank Amanda for getting all of our uh, shows up on iTunes. Thank Yay, you, Amanda! Yay. Yay! Thank you so much! <laughs> <laughs> so now you can go into uh, iTunes, put in the Enlightened Perspective, and there we are in Yay. all of our glory. <laughs> we missed a show last week, um, but we're going to make up for it this week. We've got a great show for you. Uh, like we said, we have a seminar coming up in New York in a couple of days, and we're going to be leaving tomorrow to go to New York, and we're looking forward to, we got a full house, and we're looking forward to having a great crowd, uh, and we thank all of you for your support. We also thank you for supporting our Gaian videos. We are in the top two and three position on that uh, channel now, so we really thank you for looking at those. If you haven't seen them yet, uh, they are some of our early videos, 2007, I believe, on the, the secrets of spiritual healing. These videos were uh, taped in the uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico Science, International Science and Consciousness Conference. And they are some of the best videos that we have. And we really hope you take the opportunity to look at those. Uh, membership there is $9.95 a month. And with that membership, you can rent and look at as many videos as you can take, including it's, ours. There's hundreds and hundreds of videos documentaries, films, uh, people with their own channels, but if you're into spirituality, there's something for you on that channel. So if you haven't had an opportunity, they even give you like a uh, two-week uh, trial. For free. For free. You don't have to pay anything. And you can, during the trial period, you can watch as much as you can get in. Uh, so that's pretty uh, gracious on their part to allow people to do that. And I believe that's why their subscriptions probably go up because they do give that trial period. So we missed last week, and we know there were some people calling in last week to get some of their questions in. If we, if we have a caller or two, we'll take one or two, and then we'll get started on our topic, the living soul. So, Amanda, if we have a caller, we can take one. Hello? Hello, caller from 949. Hi, Master and RKI. Uh, this is Brian, Brian from Los Angeles. Brian, Hi. you have a new apartment. Hi. Hi, you have a new apartment, I believe. 
Yes, thank you so much. How is it? It's very, very peaceful. Good, good. So you moved to a better area. It's a lot better. I can walk around at night now. <laughs> it's important to be able to have peace at night. But you had to get rid of your cat. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I was a little sad, but I guess I have to make room for uh, for new. Ah, I hope they went to a good home. I hope so, also. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. How can we help you today? I, I just wanted to ask if you can tell me something that I can meditate on. There's a part of your consciousness that's moving toward enlightenment, Brian. And I want you to focus on the concept of the light. If you can meditate okay. sunlight or use one of the solar attunement videos and meditate on the concept of the light, and don't, don't put any thought into it, just the concept of the light is all you need to do. Okay. And that'll help this energy move into your consciousness more, but it's moving towards you. And you just got to open up to it more. And was I was I born with like a dark uh, with like a dark soul or something? It just seems like I'm battling with a lot of darkness. You were born with a soul that likes to fight. You're a warrior, so you have to kind of let go of that. There's a part right. of you that feels like life is is a battle, is a war. And if you can embrace the concept of the light better, it'll help you let go of that. You are not a warrior anymore. <laughs> yes. Even though a part of you wants to be, you are not a warrior. Okay. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you in uh, New York. We'll, we'll see, see you in a couple of days. In a couple of days. <laughs> Thank you so much, Master. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you. Big hug. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know the one to say while he was on the wall. What's that? Brian, you, you are, are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to little June bug, Brian, even though he looks like you, you are not you the are father. not the father. We get the biggest kick out of watching Maury Povich. And we're not necessarily laughing at people's pain and struggle. But it's so funny to watch how people react to that news. Some people dance, some people cry. And it's, it's almost like one of those old morality plays they used to have in the Middle Ages where people would get together and laugh and talk about different uh, trials and hardships. And um, to me, it's just it's like watching the past replay itself all over again. So well, Kathy was saying, Brian, you are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> that baby's not yours, Brian. That's not your baby. If we have another caller, we'll go ahead and take one. If not, we'll go ahead and get started on the show. Going once. Going twice. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Um, okay. uh, one of the things that I found most interesting about uh, the Living Soul Seminar when it was presented, and something that really had a, a, a big effect on me, was learning the difference between spirit and soul. Many, many traditions consider them to be the exact same thing. And when you presented the uh, living soul, you presented it so clearly that I felt 
a closeness to the Creator just from the explanation of the difference between the spirit and the soul. You want to go ahead and give the people an explanation I Because I think it's well, a good explanation. The explanation uh, that you gave was that uh, the Creator, uh, say, has uh, a body. And in that body is where all spirits are. So all spirits never leave the body of the Creator. And I don't know about anyone else, but to me that just gave me so much joy to know that my, my spirit is always with God. And so if you're ever in a situation where you feel like you're by yourself or that there's no one else that you can rely on, just knowing that your spirit is always with God just gave me just great comfort. And so the spirit then if it wants to have experiences it will create a soul and that soul is what has the experiences through the different incarnations so there are spirits who never create souls and then there are spirits who want to create a soul so that that soul can experience what it is like to have uh, different lifetimes doing different things so that it can grow and evolve and I just felt that that was one of the, the, the biggest impacts on me, especially coming from uh, such a religious background, is to know that my spirit was always with God and that my spirit created the soul that I am now incarnated into uh, so that God can experience what having a life as Kathy's life. What would it be like if I went through Kathy's life and experienced those things and the Creator has the ability to experience all those things through all of us. So it really, really touched me uh, when you were presenting that information. It was like a, one of those light bulbs that went off. But it just gave me such comfort to know that I'm always with the Creator. It certainly does give me comfort as well to know that the Creator is part of us, that He's part of our lives, and He's right down here with us, living our lives with us. And that He created us for the purpose of experiencing life as each of us, so that we don't have to feel like we're far away from him or that he's up in some mountain somewhere and we gotta go through 10,000 feet of snow just to say hello to him. Mm -hmm. He's right there with us. The, a lot of people ask us this question. What is the difference between the soul and the spirit? And the answer that we give them, I think really uh, is a good way to start talking about this particular discussion. What is the difference between the soul and the spirit? Well, you can look at the spirit uh, or the body as being part of the body of God. And the spirit exists as part of the body of God. And you can look at the body of God in this metaphor um, and liken it unto a cloud. A cloud may be 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 feet up in the air. But clouds don't usually come to the ground. Yes, a fog is a cloud that's on the ground, but fog in this particular metaphor, we're going to say that the cloud is still up in the air. When the cloud wants to come to, the, to earth, it creates raindrops. And those raindrops come to the earth. They can hit a tree. They can go into a stream or a river or the ocean. They can go into the ground. And those raindrops become part of the fabric or pattern of life on earth itself. The raindrop can be part of a glass of water. It can be part of a piece of food. It can be part of an animal or a plant. 
But eventually that raindrop will evaporate from whatever source it connects with and go back into the air as water vapor and ultimately return to the cloud state. That's kind of like the relationship between the cloud and the water drop or the raindrop. The cloud creates a stable home for the soul. The cloud is the spirit. The soul then comes to earth, lives its life in whatever capacity it chooses, and ultimately it will leave the earth and return back to its soul or to its spirit home. And that's the cycle that it goes through. The spirit being the cloud, the water drop being the soul. And so when the soul returns back to the spirit home, is it that we're trying to return back consciously? Is that our goal, to return back consciously? Because all souls return back to the spirit. Very much so. We want to return. We recognize at a very deep level that earth is not our true home. We know that. We know coming in that our life on earth is a finite existence. We know that. We know that people age on this planet. We know that for a certain length of time we're going to be here, we're going to age, and then eventually we're going to leave. We recognize even through our daily lives here that, that unless part of us returns to the source in sleep, we can't function here. Mm -hmm. It's for a human being, it's extraordinarily difficult to go more than a couple of days without sleep. Even if you go for a day without sleep, eventually you're just going to pass out from fatigue. Mm -hmm. And a week without sleep, it's not going to happen. You need that. And in that time that we sleep, we're going back to that same place, that same spirit place that we use to recharge our lives. Mm -hmm. Understanding that the soul is part of the spirit and that God actually is experiencing uh, different things through each and every one of us, I can understand more clearly why in the eastern parts of the world, why they bow to each other in acknowledgement when they greet each other. Because what they're acknowledging is the God inside of each and every individual. And you can see that in the humility that they have when they're actually greeting each other. And I, I find that to be something that is very, very heartwarming and it's great to experience as a visitor to those countries because it's so different than it is here in the West. Very much so. Very much so. It, in the West, we don't really talk about the soul much. The, when you go to church, you don't really talk about the soul. When you go to church, you don't really talk about God very much. We get a lecture and how to live and how to be a good person. We get to sing and shout. And at certain churches, you get to dance a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you've done your civic duty of going to church and being seen as a good person. And that is our spirituality in the West for the most part. Mm -hmm. Whether you're going to a temple or a synagogue or a church, um, it's an emotional release. But we don't really learn very much that will help us grow spiritually. And so in our work, we feel that our job is to use spirituality as a tool to help people grow, to help people understand that growth is something that we can do and growth is something that we have an obligation to understand and grow in. So when a person starts to look deeper into what a soul is, what is the proof of the soul's existence? Because a lot of people say, well, people always say we have a soul, and, and but I can't recognize it or see it. What is the proof that it exists? 
Well, there was some research that was done. There's been a lot of research studies on that very question. But one of the most recent ones was done in 1988 by some researchers at the Berlin University of Technology in Germany. And they weighed 200 dying patients at the moment of death on a very sensitive scale. Dr. Becker Martins headed the study, and he showed that a few moments after death, they weighed 0.072 grams less, regardless of the age, regardless of the gender, and regardless of the disease that they had. Something left their body that, left, that weighed less than a gram, but it was a consistent weight loss, and they accounted for air, and they accounted for all the different factors that can make something leave the body, but there was something leaving the body at that time. And usually when a person is going through the last stages of death, it's shown that something does leave the body and that it, it coalesces usually over the patient and then usually goes toward a corner of a room until uh, several different parts of it come together. And then that part of that being escapes the room. Is that what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. That something leaves the body um, and it's not something that can be accounted for by air. These researchers took into account in their calculations the adjustments for the amount of air leaving the lung. And more experiments were done on other types of dying animals. They did experiments on sheep. They did experiments on mice. They did experiments on other animals and they found a consistent weight loss in all of these animals when they accounted for different uh, things that happened to these animals. It's not something that was a fluke. It was not something that was something that just happened by chance. It was a consistent weight loss. Something left these animals. Now, there are some other possibilities. It could be that uh, there's some insentient loss of air or urine or feces that we can account for. But these researchers show that there was an insentient loss a 0 0.072 grams that we really couldn't account for. So was it always 0 0.07? On the average, it was about 0 0.72, 0 0.072 grams on the average, which was kind of a remarkable figure. So does all souls weigh the same? No. no some souls are bigger, some souls are heavier. And, you know, there has been some work. Let's talk about some of the work that has been done on the bi in the Bible on the soul that there was a long history of the Bible being mentioned in the soul. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Well, the history, of course, that the early Christian church believed in reincarnation and of the soul's journey back to oneness with God. Now, Pope Vigilius was a visor during the reign of Emperor Justinian in the 6th century AD. And Justinian Vigilius disagreed on whether or not the doctrine of reincarnation should be condemned as heresy or allowed to be taught in the church. The origins teachings has been considered as profound spiritual wisdom for three centuries. Origin lived around 250 AD and wrote about the pre-existence of the soul and reincarnation. He taught that the soul's very source was God and that the soul was traveling back to oneness with God via reincarnation. Of course, the soul also makes that journey every night when we go to sleep because it has to go back and be recharged. Uh, and then comes back into your body when you wake up in the morning. The Roman Emperor Justinian wanted Origen's writings and teachings to be condemned and destroyed, but Pope Vigilus uh, refused to sign a papal decree condemning Origen's teachings on reincarnation. Not that Pope had ghosts. 
He did it. Because he stood up to the emperor. He you did. don't just say no to the Roman, the emperor of Rome, who is the ruler of the known world. I say, I'm not going to sign that. You know, that did take big ones. That took big cojones grandes, mucho <laughs> popolos grandes, popolos, <laughs> popolos grandes, vigilos cojones. <laughs> it did. So from now on, when somebody has big cojones, we're going to say, vigilos cojones. <laughs> <laughs> Salam alaikum. However, as a result of his disobedience, the emperor had to pull for rest and put in jail. So he he did have big ones, but he still had to go to jail because of it. But if you think about what he did at the time, the only good thing about the Pope was that the emperor was a little bit afraid of God. So he kind of, you know, was leaning a little bit on the Pope. But, you know, on the way there, the Pope did escape. When he was on his way to be jailed, he did escape. Mm Mm-hmm. But the emperor did command the council to continue despite the pope's refusal to uh, attend. I like that word, vigilus grandes cojones. Vigilus grandes cojones. I like that word. <laughs> Corinthian lever grandes cojones. <laughs> has nothing to do with anything. Though, but I just like the way that rolled up rolled like that. Right <laughs> wow. A powerful group of cardinals and bishops explained to the emperor that if every soul had once pre-existed with God, then Christ wasn't anything special to have come from God. Hmm. You better say that again because some people might take offense to that. Hmm. I said a powerful group of cardinals and bishops explained to the emperor that if every soul had once pre-existed with God, then Christ wasn't anything special to have come from God. These cardinals convinced the emperor that if people realized they were the children of God, they might begin to believe they no longer needed an emperor or to pay taxes or to obey the Holy Church. They wanted people to believe that only Christ had come from God and that God made brand new souls at the time of conception and only the Holy Church could bring these souls to God. Without the protection of the emperor or of the empire or the guidance of the church, all people would be doomed to be forever cut off from God in hell. This doctrine was very acceptable to the emperor. So what was he saying? That he wanted to make sure that people had to be afraid of the emperor. He wanted to make sure that they still paid their taxes. He wanted to make sure that they were still in charge and that people weren't special. That only the Christ was special. Why do you think he wanted to do that? Why do you think he wanted to set himself up to be so special? Because he was he wanted them to consider him Christ. To consider him as God. Him as God. So the emperor wanted to be seen as God and everybody else was not. Right. Everybody else was going to be doomed to hell. Because the emperor was God and he whatever he said go. That's right. That's not cool. Now that's even bigger cojones. Uh, Emperor had huge cojones. I thought the Pope had big cojones, but <laughs> Emperor says, I am God, and everybody else is beneath me. You are beneath me. You cannot approach God except, well, I am God, so you must approach me. And he actually did that. Mm-hmm. Huh. So. But they wanted people to believe that only Christ had come from God. And that God made brand new souls every time a person conceived a person. Mm-hmm. 
and that the only the church could bring these new souls to God. Right. And that without the protection of the empire or the guidance from the church, people would be doomed in hell forever. And that only the, the, the leader of the free world, the emperor, had the dispensation to doom people. Mm -hmm. He was God. He was God. That is so sick. They were making him God. That is so sick. And yet, a lot of that doctrine is still done today. I would have thought that if I was alive back then. I don't know if I was or not. I can't remember that. But I would have thought that. Because that's just wrong. That is wrong. That only one person gets to be a dispensation, and that person is God himself. Well, the council, as instructed by an emperor, produced 14 new anathemas. And the very first one condemned reincarnation and the concept that souls pre-existed with God. So they just took it right out. So it wasn't that the fact that reincarnation wasn't real. They just decided that they didn't want to teach it anymore. That's right. They decided that they weren't going to teach it anymore. So all those centuries and millennia of teaching about reincarnation went out because they said, okay, we are done. No more reincarnation. And they also did the concept that the souls pre-existed with God. But the Pope never signed the order. No, he didn't. So it was never really considered to be a legal part of church doctrine. But the emperor and the council said, it's now doctrine, it's now what we do. But they didn't need the Pope's signature. No. So no. they just said, this, this is going to be what we say that it is. So from that time forward, all references to the soul reincarnation and pre-existence with God were stricken from the Bible by the order of the emperor. That's incredible. One man did that. He had, I guess he could say, I have the right because I'm God and I'm emperor and I'm the ruler of the free world. So he decided, he manipulated the church and manipulated the writings of the Bible so that even to this day, the church doesn't teach reincarnation. Mm -hmm. One man did that. One man did that. That's incredible. And so what did he do next, this man with huge cojones? <laughs> so the emperor. The emperor then declared himself divine ruler over all Christians. Oh, wait a minute. He, can, can, sir, <laughs> he, can, he referred himself to be God, and then he was divine ruler. What about the Pope? Who, who, if he was divine ruler, what about the Pope? Well, you know, he didn't really care about the Pope at that point. What about his wife? If he was divine ruler, she was the divine... She was his wife, divine ruler's wife. So she had as much power as he did. So he declared himself and his wife to, to be, be gods. To be gods. With divine souls. So what was the... If, if you're a god, you've got to have a day of worship. So what was their day of worship? Their day of worship would have been, uh, well... December 25th. Wait a minute. You got to be kidding me. They declared themselves to be God. Yes. And so they started, was that the, they started December 25th as a day of worship. It was an official day of divine worship. In fact, this was in 529 AD. So, okay. Okay. He has the Pope arrested. The Pope escapes. Pope doesn't go along with this whole thing of taking reincarnation and divine worship out of the Bible. 
But the emperor overrules him with the bishop and the council. Mm -hmm. The emperor then makes himself divine ruler of all mankind mm -hmm. and says that, oh, yeah, my wife, Theodora, she's divine ruler too, so bow down. That's right. And then... And then they said, we're declaring December 25th as the official day of divine worship. And December 25th is still in the Western world a day of divine worship. Yes. It's because of this one man's Magnus Grandes Cojones <laughs> Corinthian letter <laughs> balls. <laughs> that, you know, I, just think about the magnitude of something somebody did in 529 AD, still telling us how to worship, how to think, how to, to have a holiday. 1500 years 1500 later. 1500 years later, we are still. Worshipping on that day. He was crazy, by the way. As a psychiatrist, I can go ahead and say, he was crazy. He was crazy. That was insane. That was insane. But he did it and got away with it. He did. And before we go any further, Amanda, do we have any callers? If we have any callers, let's go ahead and let them come through. If not, we will continue with the show because we're having a great time. If not, hey, they're missing out. <laughs> Going what? Going twice. Okay, then we will continue on. Okay. Okay. So, that was uh, incredible insight of information about why people are worshiping on December 25th to this day. That an emperor decided that he and his wife were gods, and they decided that that particular day was going to be the day of divine worship. But you know, they both died. Yeah, but we're still doing it. So they weren't gods. They both died. Yeah. So they weren't gods. They were not gods. Huh. And yet we're still doing it. We are still doing it. That is just amazing. That takes some thought it for does. a moment. These two people manipulated the entire course of human history. They did because they wanted to set themselves up as gods and people, and then they took the concept of reincarnation out of the Bible and the concept of pre-existence of the soul, so that we don't even talk about the soul because of what they decided we should think and what we shouldn't think. Now that is mind control. It is. Of a very dark order. But why do we continue to allow it to happen? Because it's in the Bible. They took it out of the Bible, so it has to be true. But this information was also not in the Bible, and they know it to be true as well. So why do we continue to allow the lie to continue? That's an excellent question. Why do you think? I think that the church has too much control over the people now, and that it actually works in the church's favor. But you know, the Pope didn't go along with He it. did not. So it was that Pope. It was so more of anything, it was the emperor. It was, but the emperor died. And his wife died. Yes. And so, but look what happened. The church adopted what, what became law. There was an old Saturday Night Live show that came on in the early 70s uh, when Chevy Chase used to do the news. And General Lisa Francisco Franco said that when he died, he was going to come back after three days. He didn't come back. So every week for a long time, Chevy Chase used to say, lead off the show with, Oh, and in other news, Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. 
<laughs> he did that for months. So the Emperor Justinian and his wife Theodora are still dead 1,500 years later. They did not come back. They did not resurrect themselves, so they are not gods. But, you know, reincarnation is believed in probably three-quarters of the world. Yes, it is. So it's really just the West that doesn't really believe in reincarnation. So they probably came back as reincarnated souls, but I really doubt that he was emperor again. Yeah. He might have been some great farmer somewhere making wine or might have been somewhere in China uh, working as a bookkeeper, but I really hope he wasn't emperor again. That would just not be cool. I guess one day we'll have to look him up on the chart. Have to look him up and see where he is. But he, 1,500 years is a long time. He's probably been back several times since then. Heck, he might have been one of the bushes for all we know. <laughs> uh, no, no reference to NSA. <laughs> I don't want a helicopter rolling over the house. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about the soul. Let's talk about the soul. Let's give them some ideas of the attributes of the soul. What's the size of it? Human soul is about one to four microns in diameter. It looks like a colorful dot-like entity in the lower area of your perception. So when you can't see it with your normal human vision. But once your vision evolves, you can really see the soul quite well. There's a crystalline structure that has over 600 separate facets or faces on the crystal. It's a very small entity. Um, like More like a, it weighs less than a gram. And it has a specific gravity that is very, very tiny, but it can be measured. And in our seminar, the, the Living Soul, we actually gave the numbers. The numbers wouldn't mean much to you here, but in the seminar, we actually gave the actual numbers in the soul. It has been measured. It has been weighed. And there are definite figures you can refer to. Animals also have a soul. The soul of an animal is a little bit smaller than the soul of a human. has a different appearance. Uh, has a different morphology. But animals do have souls. I know that that's important to most animal lovers to know that they're animals. The animals definitely have souls. Yeah. The people that lived in our house before, they had a they had a cat. The cat was kind of black and white, somewhat calico in color. And I still see that cat roaming around this house. Cat's buried in the backyard. Um, but I still see that cat's soul walking around this house. So that cat, even though the cat died physically, is still around. Plants have souls. Mm -hmm. But plants... Uh, belong to a group soul uh, that is part of the plant kingdom. Each plant soul carries, each plant carries a part of the group soul of plants, and their souls can be bigger or the same or smaller than human. Uh, and it really depends on the type of plant that you're talking about. So it has a group soul? It has a group soul so that plants are part of. Are we talking about like the board? Yes, like the board. Like the board. Like the board. For those who are not Trekkies, you want to tell them what the Borg is? The Borg is a, a race of beings who have a group consciousness. And that group consciousness, it can be, they always want to assimilate and destroy other beings. And um, they go around the galaxy doing that. But they are, are very advanced beings. And uh, it was just some great Trek shows that we like to watch. And you have to be real, very nervous when you see a cube-shaped ship coming up because you knew that the Borg was getting ready to come and that your likelihood of continuing to exist after they passed by was very, very slim. So if, if they have a group consciousness, if the plants have a group consciousness, I hope they're not like the Borg. 
I hope they're not like the board, but they live here. They they tolerate us for the most part. For the most part. For the most part. So if we have any calls, Amanda, we have about 15 minutes left on the show. You can put them through. If not, we're going to give them the countdown. Going once. Going twice. If there's a caller, we'll take them. If not, we will move on with the next part of our show. But we talked about the difference between the soul and the spirit. So let's move on past that. But I'm going to some action. The human soul is less than 1% of who we really are. But the soul is an infinite being. It's a part of us that we had a beautiful slide that we, that we used in the seminar. The soul looks like a, a, a crystal that has a very beautiful core of light inside of it and is surrounded by energy that we can refer to and use in part of our discussion. The soul is highly protected, but it's a very small entity that gives power and energy to the whole body. One of the things are used to refer to as the bands around the soul as being clippa. Yes. And the clippa, uh, say you had um, ten really heavy blankets and you were putting one blanket on top of the next, well the clippa would have ten blankets where pretty much you can't see any light at all. And as you peel away the clippa, then as each blanket comes up, then there's more and more light that appears through the soul. So when a person is going toward inner enlightenment, do all the blankets come up? Do all the clippa disappear? Part of the process of living in the physical world is learning to remove those blankets. If you're in a very brilliantly lit room, if someone puts enough blankets over you, and covers your body, eventually you will believe that the room is dark. Mm -hmm. Because the blankets obscure the light. You can't see the sun. You can't see the light illuminating the room. And eventually you can't see anything at all. That's the summation of how our lives relate to the light in the physical world. The light of the darkness of the clipper covers it so that we can't see the light of the soul. We can't see the light of the creator. We can't see the light of the higher world. So when the sun goes down, we are surrounded by what we conceive of as darkness. Mm -hmm. We're not really surrounded by darkness. There's always the light of the Creator around us. But because of the light of the blankets of Clippa, we can't see it. As we evolve from a very low state of physical evolution to a much higher state of physical evolution, the blankets are dissolved until eventually they are dissolved to such an extent that we can start to see the light of the Creator so that we are never surrounded by true darkness. And over time, this, the light is so bright that we continue our evolution in complete light all the time. That sounds heavenly. Sounds heavenly. One thing uh, we talked about a lot was the, um, the lifespan of an average human soul. And for the most part, um, the lifespan is about 35,000 years. Some souls live much longer than others. And there are souls that are hundreds of thousands, millions, and sometimes even billions years old. But each one of those, if you get past 35,000 years, then you've done some work on yourself. You've done some things to evolve yourself. And that evolution extends the lifespan of the soul. So those of you on the spiritual path, if you're doing the work, then you're extending the lifespan of your soul. And hopefully you can extend it, extend it to the point where you can get to the point of um, an infinite being. 
and that is a possibility for those willing to do the work. So there is a lifespan for the soul, and the average is about 35,000 years. The working model of reality is you have the body of God, then you have the human spirit, then you have the human soul, which goes into the human body, and then you have a multi-dimensional reality. And it was a great slide on this. It was one that really touched me. When, and this is where I have my aha moment, because the slide really shows how the body of God and the spirit is inside the body and then you can see where the, the spirit decides to make the human soul and then you have the human soul kind of going off into different beings, human beings that are on on the ground so as a, a human soul you can have a human soul family it's like, almost like a group family, like a, a soul group family where there's other parts of yourself in different parts of the world or different parts of the galaxy or universe and hopefully it's in the same uh, place but more, more than likely you'll never meet the other part of yourself but you're still connected and it's a brilliant slide that shows that uh, the multi-dimensional reality what do you think? I really like that slide and I wish you could see it but it, it definitely shows the cloud raindrop relationship with the soul and the spirit and that not all souls incarnate into a body. Some souls get bodies, but bodies are hard to come by. Mm -hmm. um, one out of three women, whenever they have a baby, baby gets miscarried or aborted. Some of the abortions are voluntary. Some of the abortions are natural. But those souls that can't find a body, they exist as discarnate souls. Mm -hmm. They can show up as what we call orbs and a lot of people are now photographing orbs and they see faces in the orb, they see uh, images of, that look like people. That's because they are people. The soul can make a discarnate body that looks like a round orb, but that's not the same as living in a physical body. You, can't, you don't have the same opportunities for spiritual and physical growth and understanding in that particular body. In that form. In that form. The soul has five, and I don't think we're going to be able to get through all of that, but we at least can introduce mm -hmm. the concept. The soul has five main components, and each of these components contain a great deal of power. The soul has the components, and we're just going to list them here. The word of power is the first part of the soul, and we did a whole series of seminars and a number of great cities on the concept of the word of power. Mm -hmm. Probably the world wasn't ready to hear that because people just lost their minds. <laughs> well, they, I think they were, they wanted to hear it, but they didn't understand the responsibilities that came with it. Using a word of power is not something that you play around with because you are affecting your reality and others' reality as well. So, but each soul has a word of power. In fact, it has 617 words of power. And these words of power were re are real, they work, we saw them work, we continue to see them work. Um, and in our next show, we're going to go into more detail about what each of these different parts are. But for right now, we're just going to lay them out. Next part is called the actus. The actus is the part of the soul that records information. It records everything you do, it records everything you say, it records everything you see, everything you hear, everything you think. 
is recorded on the actus region of the soul. Now this is the region that most psychics and clairvoyants can read on a person. Absolutely. This is how they know all the information about a person without even knowing you. They can read your actus and tell you so much about yourself that you would just think somebody just sat down and gave them all that information, but they can clearly see it on the that part of your soul that's called the actus portion. I'm reading your actus right now. <laughs> you want to get Thai food for supper. That's correct. And we're gonna you're gonna drive. No, you're driving. <laughs> you drive. And we're gonna go to Mama Gina's and get Thai food. Mama Gina doesn't make Thai food. Well, she can if we ask her. Well, I don't know. She's a, 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 a Italian. But she's closer. I know, but that's not So we get much to. further to drive. That's not where we get We're to. off track, aren't we? Yes, we are. Okay. Let's get back to the... Okay. Oh, Never she's, mind. She's just hungry. Never mind. Okay, so... There's a nomen part of the soul, and the nomen is the names of God associated with the different aspects of uh, reality that are controlled <laughs> through those names. We're doing a book now called The Rare Magical Incantations of, in Latin, A Rare Latin Magical Incantation. And this book is one of the greatest books I've ever done on magical incantation. Actually, it's the first book I ever did on magical yes, incantation. It but it really, as I write it, I really wish I could almost read it for the first time as a customer. Because you never really find good books on incantations or invocations. A lot of them are kind of a light, airy-fairy sort of books, but this book gives the names of God and the nomen and different incantations that can do just some fantastic stuff, and I'm really looking forward to finishing it so we can get into the hands of people that are waiting for it. Sounds fascinating. It is. It really is. Then we have the prima. What is the prima? Prima is the energy source for the soul. Prima is fed by food. Whenever we eat food, we break down the food for its life. The light energy from food feeds the prima energy in the soul. We can get light from many sources. We can get light from the sun. We can get light from a light bulb. We can get light from words. We can get light from sound. But all of those feed the energy of the soul, the energy of the soul that we call the prima. And, and the, last, the last one is called the spiritual name. What is a spiritual name? The spiritual name is what God knows you by. It's your name that God, the Creator, knows you by. Everyone has a spiritual name. And I tell you, for many, many years, that's the first thing people want Dr. Gibson to tell them. Dr. Gibson, what is my spiritual name? Well, knowing a person's spiritual name connects you to that person. So it's not something that he likes to give out easily because then he's connected to you. But your spiritual name is the name that the Creator and the spiritual world knows you by. I have a good idea. What? We can call Mama Gina's, have her call the Thai place. They can deliver to Mama Gina's, and Mama Gina's can deliver us our Thai food here. Yeah, I can see them going for that service. But it would save us having to drive. I don't want to have to drive. I'll drive already. Well, okay, I'll drive. I'll twist my arm. <laughs> anyway, I think that's the show. For that's today. the show for today. We're going to continue next time with information about the soul. We're going to go into the words of power. We're going to go into what they do and their function more detail. We're going to go into the Actus region. We're going to go into the Noman, the Prima, and the spiritual name. And we're going to look at different aspects of the soul and how they function in the world uh, so you get a good feel for how the soul really functions and what it can do. People really don't, it's hard to find any real meaty information about what the soul does. And so we're going to give you some information that will allow you to 
sort of understand what the soul does more. We have two minutes. If we have any calls, uh, we'll go ahead and take those. But if not, we're going to tell people what we have coming up. If we have any calls, we'll take them, Amanda. But if not, we'll give them some upcoming events. Well, we are looking forward to going to New York tomorrow. The seminar will be on Saturday. We'll start at 8.30 with a um, buffet breakfast. And then we will finish at around 4 o'clock that afternoon. And we are looking forward to sharing this incredible information with the audience and we are then going to be uh, at our offices in June. We do have a uh, mini workshop there uh, that's going to be from 1 to 4. I think it's on Hidden Power Power of Medallions. So there's some secrets about the medallions that most people don't know about. We're going to share that information. And then we're going to be going to New Orleans. I'm looking forward to going to New Orleans and presenting a workshop called After. Is talking about life after death, and we've never presented in New Orleans, so we're really looking forward to going there. And I thought it was just the perfect place to talk about life after death. What a perfect place to do it! We're looking forward to it, and we thank you so much for following us and supporting us. And thank you for making our videos on Gaim uh, number one and two. We did hold those positions for about a week, and we are looking forward to a special relationship with them. So until next week. Thank you, Mama Gina's. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mitchell and Kathy Gibson. Thank you so much for joining us, joining us with the Enlightened Perspective. And you can catch us on Facebook. We have, we're going to have some great videos up on YouTube. We also have a great email list. Go to our website and sign up for our email list. And we've got some great stuff coming up for people on the list. Thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to talking to you next week. So this is Mitchell and Kathy Gibson from the Enlightened Perspective. Have a great week. Have a great Thank week. Thank you for joining us.